0: Hello and welcome to another episode of That Sports Guy's podcast. I am Craig Forrestal. I am That Sports Guy. Go ahead and find me on Twitter at that underscore sports underscore guy, where you can find all of my latest football takes. Also, nfldraftdiamonds.com is proud to feature the That Sports Guy podcast on its website. Stop by nfldraftdiamonds.com, your official draft coverage king. Hey everybody, Craig Forrestal coming at you with another segment for That Sports Guy's podcast. Go ahead and find me on Twitter at that underscore sports underscore guy. I want to get into something that I'm really excited about with everyone today. And sometimes I get to talk to really fascinating, really interesting, really intelligent people when I'm talking to either coaches or players. And recently I had the privilege of speaking to someone named Warren McCarty. If you're not familiar with Warren McCarty, he's a former professional quarterback, and outside of that, he has done it all in the football world. Scouted, talent evaluated, coached, been a consultant for Division I programs, Uh, he he has his own recruiting agency based out of Colorado, uh, a personal quarterback coach, Uh, has worked with ESPN on uh, radio shows, uh, had his own radio show, currently also has the Warrior Football Podcast, and he hit me up the other day and said, hey, Craig, I think I got something you're going to be into. So I went ahead, I took took a look, clicked the link, and it was the 10 boxes that must be checked for a quarterback to achieve greatness. And immediately I stepped back and I was like, whoa, 10 boxes? Because I cover – players in the NFL Draft for NFL Draft Diamonds, and I do do film breakdowns, and I do have my own big board, and I do keep my own player notes. But I'm always wanting to learn more. I'm always wanting to evolve. And for my quarterback breakdowns, what I use is, I use Bill Parcells and his seven rules, the Parcells rules, along with what I see on film. And the Parcells rules are more or less a metric to kind of help you get a visual of a player also with that film. And so the seven boxes or the seven rules that Bill Parcells developed over time for quarterback evaluation was number one, being a three-year starter, two, a college senior, three, graduate from college, four, starting 30 career games, five, winning 23 games, six, uh, having a two-to-one touchdown to interception ratio at a minimum, and then the seventh and final component – of the Parcels rules is having a 60% completion percentage. And so now I thought that I was doing good quarterback evaluation work with those seven guidelines along with what I see on film. And then when I saw that Warren had 10 boxes that have to be checked, I was like, oh man, what am I missing here? How can I get better? And let me tell you, did I get better? Let's go through Warren and his 10 checkpoints for a quarterback to achieve greatness. And I'll get into what I thought was some of the more interesting uh, pieces of it. But you can go ahead. You can catch the full segment of Warren McCarty breaking down his 10 pieces for quarterback greatness on the Warrior Football Podcast. But his 10 items were being tough, a high-character guy, no off-field stuff, fourth, being a football addict, five, extraordinary work ethic, or as Warren referred to it, FOLO, first on, last off. Six, can he process information quickly, both in the pre-snap and the post-snap? Seven, is he athletic? Does he have footwork? Uh, he said it's very important in today's game. Now, he wasn't saying that people need to be Lamar Jackson, uh, even though that the NFL and football in general is a copycat league. So, you know, teams are always out there now trying to find the next Lamar Jackson. But he brought up an interesting point when speaking of Lamar Jackson, and he he said something about how Lamar put up crazy passing numbers in college at Louisville and how his game is still developing on the NFL level, Um, but right now that, that sheer athleticism is what has everyone just in amazement of what Lamar does every Sunday week in and week out. But he brought up a scenario where Lamar Jackson would talk to Cam Newton and ask Cam, hey, Going back in time, based upon how your body feels currently, what would you have done differently? Would you have done anything differently? You know, just from his experience, how can he learn? How can his game mature faster? And how can his game mature the proper way to make sure that he has an NFL career where the longevity isn't an issue because with his play style, anytime you're going to run for plus minus a thousand yards in the NFL, you're going to get smacked around. Um, And so avoiding those, those big time crashes is going to prolong Lamar's career. Something that we all know, but I thought it was interesting to use Cam Newton as the, uh, as the quarterback for him to talk to, because when you look at their body types, Lamar's smaller than, than Cam Cam's, you know, jacked up at that 250-ish range and a couple inches taller. So I thought that it was interesting where Cam had that body type where he was more willing to absorb the body uh, the body blows. And when you saw the punishment that he took uh, early on in his career, um, there's no question to Cam Newton's toughness. So I just think that going with the Cam Newton analogy was something that I never thought of. And when I heard of it, I thought that it was actually uh, a pretty intelligent and a pretty smart move because when you think about today's NFL and the NFL system that the Ravens have designed for Lamar Jackson, you can argue that Ron Rivera and the Panthers created that first type of spread offense where the dual threat quarterback was the main focus of that offense with design quarterback run plays that were actually seeing success in the NFL that were not of the wildcat variety. Um, so when you map it all together like that, I think it's a wonderful idea for Lamar Jackson to go talk to Cam Newton. It's something I haven't thought of. I thought at first it was an intriguing and an interesting, uh, way to go down. But then once he broke it down, it made a lot of sense to me. And then with my own thoughts added in, uh, at the end, eight was accuracy. Nine was arm strength. And then the 10th and final, uh, component on his list is leadership skills. So now I want to go back to accuracy and arm strength real quick. With accuracy and arm strength, he made a really good point about accuracy and how stat scouting, which is when you just look at the box score and you see, you know, they threw for 3,500 yards, uh, 25 touchdowns, four interceptions, and they completed 71% of passes. You know, if you're just going to go off of that, you're going to think the guy's unbelievable. But, you know, the – The 70-plus completion percentage might be attributed to him just having acrobats and out-of-this-world wide receivers that are able to go up and make catches that not many other players can. And then on the flip side, if you look at a quarterback and you look at his stat line and then in the completion percentage area, you see that he's in the 50s. Well, now, if he's completing 55% of passes, it doesn't mean that he doesn't know how to throw the ball on target. It might be a, a sheer matter of the guys that he has around him, his supporting cast just aren't that good. They can't catch. They can't get the job done. Um, and so as a result, his numbers take a hit. And that's why he said the film breakdown and watching a film at the quarterback position is so important because it's not about that – that 70% completion percentage. It's of that 70% completion percentage. Where were those balls placed? Where were they thrown? Would they be uncatchable balls otherwise, if you have an all world, you know, unreal wide receiver going up and doing things that not many else can? Or are you throwing catchable balls where it doesn't matter if it's me or Randy Moss, we're both going to catch it? Now, that's the type of thing that he's talking about. Um, and also where he said with the 55, you know, the guys just not, might not be able to, to hang on to it. He's smacking them right on the money every single time, but they just can't hold on. So that's why I thought the film breakdown, him bringing that up was a super important point. Because while you're able to see the accuracy on film or the lack of accuracy on film, I thought it was an interesting correlation to the box score with going ahead and seeing with what your eyes see on film, if they match up. Uh, with the box score. Uh, so, uh, again, a point with Warren when it comes to arm accuracy, ball placement uh, that he went into that I thought was pretty interesting. Uh, nine with the arm strength. He talked about being able to make all the throws on the field and how sometimes arm strength is misinterpreted as Pat Mahomes being able to throw the ball uh, you know, a country mile. Um, it's not that Hail Mary scenario when we're talking about arm strength All the time he talks about different throws that need to be made in the NFL whether it's a 15 20 yard comeback whether it's something you know possibly going across the uh, field to the opposite sideline whatever the scenario is he talks about a variety of throws and being able to use the field completely uh sideline to sideline to maximize field space and with that that comes the arm strength of being able to make all the throws, not necessarily having the ability to put the ball 75 yards in the air on a Hail Mary scenario, but being able to make all the throws throughout the game, throughout the sequence of an offensive series, that's going to lead to positive outcomes. Um, I thought was very uh, interesting. He also went through a scenario with arm strength uh, where he used Tim Tebow as an example and, uh, just kind of what that meant for Tebow for the offensive system in Denver, and then what that meant for defensive systems that faced Denver uh, when Tebow was quarterbacking them and uh, how that all played out. And then finally, uh, with leadership skills, Warren went on to say that the personality is the defining trait in leadership because personality is going to lead to how your quarterback makes his teammates feel. Are they going to rally around him when times get tough? Are they going to dig in and fight for him? Do they like him? And what he was saying is if you can check boxes one through nine, that box 10 usually comes with ease. Now, he gave a couple of examples with a couple of his uh, playing buddies and some of the guys that they've been around uh, and, and the different ways that they went about attention to detail and executing their leadership uh, and being an example for the rest of the guys on the team. And like I said, if you catch out uh, his podcast, Warrior Football Podcast, you'll hear a great segment on Warren McCarty and how he views the quarterback position and the 10 factors that he feels are the most conducive to success at the NFL level. Hey, everyone. How's it going? Craig Forrestal back with another segment for – that sports guy's podcast and i wanted to focus on something that's always been really intriguing to me and that's the offensive line development at north dakota state and at wisconsin um there's always stories uh from wisconsin about the players that they recruit uh that come in uh whether it's david edwards a couple of years ago a handful of years ago at 6 foot 6 6 foot 7 anywhere between 210 and 225 depending on what you look at um and his his primary thought was that he was going to transition from high school quarterback to tight end. And lo and behold, he ends up becoming an offensive tackle, one of the premier offensive linemen in the Big Ten, was a key component to the Badgers while he suited up for the program. Um, and then it was a repeat scenario with a couple of other of former Badgers. We can look to Rick Wagner, who's now of the Green Bay Packers, but when he first came to Madison, he was primarily a basketball player who was going to join the football program as a walk-on tight end. So you're looking at someone who was primarily a basketball player in high school that showed the athletic traits and the potential to develop into a tight end, possibly. But what do they get out of Rick Wagner? Again, offensive tackle who's been in the NFL now, uh, having himself a solid career there's there's countless other examples throughout those programs and their um and their their long history but also we can look to their recruiting classes and then specifically we can look to um North Dakota State currently with their starting left tackle returning all American um and one of the dominant forces on the offensive line uh, in the Missouri Valley Conference and in the whole country, regardless of uh level of competition, and that's that. Excuse me, that's Dylan Radom. He's a six foot six, three hundred pound offensive tackle now, but if you go back and you look at his twenty four seven sports recruiting profile, it has him listed as a two hundred and sixty five pound defensive end prospect. Um. So, the way that. North Dakota State takes these players in and grows them and develops them is very, very intriguing and interesting to me in how they're able to do it year in, year out, and how they're able to have these players develop without losing any functional athleticism, if not gaining functional athleticism with that added size. Now I know at the larger programs they have the resources, the abilities, and the capabilities to cater to individual athletes, whether it be with their, their physical strength and conditioning needs, um, or whether it be with their nutritional needs um, in the cafeteria to get that desired body transformation and outcome that not only the, the coaching staff has envisioned, but also that the, the athlete is now envisioning um for their career. So it's that it, it it's being able to put a, a athlete on a catered program that's going to get those desired results. And this isn't just like I said, something that they've done once or twice, but it's something that they routinely do. Now we can go ahead and we can look at the North Dakota State 2020 football commits on 247 sports.com. Um, ranks them with the 141st best class in the country, also the number one class in the Missouri Valley Conference uh for 2020. But I'm just going to go down. I'm just scrolling through their commitments right now and then I'm going to point out the prospects that fit that undersized or underweight uh offensive line category that they have done before. Again, this is the North Dakota State uh 2020 football commit list from 247sports.com and I'm going to tell you the undersize or excuse me, the underweight offensive lineman that they are bringing in with this recruiting class. Uh, we can first start with Mason Miller, an offensive tackle prospect from Minnesota. He earned a two-star rating from Twenty Four Seven Sports. Uh, six foot eight, two hundred and forty pounds is what they have him listed at. Further down, you will see Gray Zabel from Pierre, South Dakota, offensive tackle prospect, six foot five, two hundred forty pounds. Um, I'm not sure if this is a misprint. Uh, but Jack Bram, offensive guard prospect, six foot two, 210 pounds from Maryville, Missouri. Um, so as you can see, they, they they do that routinely. Now, of course, those aren't their only uh, commits on on the on the offensive or defensive line. Uh, so you can go ahead and take a look for yourself as well on the 24 7 North Dakota State page if you want to see their full recruiting class. But when you look at the case of, we'll stick with Mason Miller at this point, the offensive tackle prospect that they're bringing in uh, from Minnesota, who is listed on twenty four seven Sports at six foot eight, two hundred and forty pounds. Now, when I see that, I ask myself to get him to three hundred pounds from what he's currently listed at. That's a sixty pound differential. How do you break that 60 pounds up? Because there has to be a plan A. Everybody's body reacts differently. Um, But if the goal is to bring him in as an offensive tackle and develop him as a high-level offensive tackle for the North Dakota State program, I would envision his weight goal being somewhere in that 300-pound north neighborhood. That's 60 pounds, like I said. Is the goal to get half of that weight year one in the redshirt year to get him to 270? Is is the goal something different? Like I said, once he gets to, to camp and once he gets on campus, they're going to be able to work with him specifically from a, a physical standpoint with his weightlifting program and the strength and conditioning program that they'll Add to him specifically, along with the the program's normal routine, and then also from the weight standpoint, the cafeteria will be able to provide him with the nutrition and the meals that he needs to fit the goal that the that him and the coaching staff have set forth. Um, and now, like I said. With Dylan Raddams, he was recruited out of Minnesota, uh, listed as a defensive end at 265 pounds on his 24-7 sports recruiting profile. And now he's a 300-pound offensive tackle who's dominated uh, college football the past couple of years. You can go look at that Montana State uh, film from the FCS semifinals, a very talented defensive line. Um, And there were times where he just did whatever he wanted and he dominated that defensive front. So He's already on NFL radars coming in, but like I said, that body transformation, while it's only 35 pounds and that might not seem significant, you need to think about the weight distribution. You need to think about how his physique has changed. You need to think about where that weight has been added. Has it been to the lower half? Has it been to the top half? Um there's all these things that come into it, and the the thickness of the weight, you know, does he wear it well? Uh, he does wear it well, and, and, you know, the 300 pounds on him, he moves light as a feather, tremendous athleticism for a left tackle. Um, and like it said, it, it points out to these athletes not losing any functional athleticism. And it speaks to not only the strength and conditioning program, but also the position coaches, being able to take a player with such a raw ability and just natural size. Um, it's something that's said in basketball a lot. My, my father was a, a really good college basketball player. And uh, growing up, my dad used to always say to me, you can't teach someone to be seven feet tall, but you can teach them to rebound and block shots. And I never really got that until I got to high school. And when I was a freshman, we had a kid six foot nine show up to tryouts. And then I finally got it. I was like, yeah, you can teach this kid to rebound. But then when you look around and the tallest dude's six foot three, you're like, yeah, you can't teach that kid to be six foot nine. And then it all clicked, right? And that's what it is with these raw, athletic, underweight offensive linemen. You can't teach someone to be big. You're either big or you're not. And if you're big, we can teach you how to block. Now, I know it's not just an easy puzzle like this. And there's so much more that goes into it from a work standpoint and and, and a grind and a commitment and, and all those things. But for me, I've always just been so enamored with the job that, some of these uh, programs have done when it comes to turning these underweight, underlying offensive linemen recruits and turning them into all-world NFL prospects. So that's something for me that I've always found very interesting when I'm recruit, excuse me, when I'm evaluating uh, NFL talent and going back to their recruiting days and seeing how that body's developed, seeing how they've matured, and you know, sometimes in certain cases, like in this case taking a look at their recruiting profile um, and just seeing a little bit more about them and trying to get to know a little bit more about their background. Uh, with some of these smaller school players, that's a little bit of what you have to do. you got to dig a little bit deeper. Um, so it's always interesting to see the physical growth when you have such a clear-cut picture like that. So something to keep your eye on as you move forward and as you're looking for 2021 um, offensive line prospects to research. Uh, Take a look at how many of those offensive line prospects were former basketball players, were former tight ends, or came in to college as an underweight prospect that was able to buy into the system and achieve max results with the program that they uh, ended up playing for. So again, that's Craig Forstall. That's my take on offensive line development, offensive tackle development with underweight or undersized prospects when they come in and some of the schools that I feel do uh, a better job uh, than it than others. So until next time, everyone stay safe and uh, you'll catch me again. Hey everybody, it's Craig Forrestall, and I'm back for another segment of that sports guys podcast. You know where to find me. I'm on Twitter at that underscore sports underscore guy. And today I wanted to get into something near and dear to my heart and that is Mac football. Maction is real, people. Um, I was born in Florida, but I grew up in the Chicago suburbs, Crystal Lake, Illinois. That is home. Uh, And depending on who was driving in which way you went, if you took all back roads, whatever the case may be, because it was a little rural, a little country out that way, um, to get to NIU, Northern Illinois University, you get there in about 45 minutes and i remember growing up playing youth football in the chicago suburbs um and being how close we were to northern illinois university um there were there were a couple of different seasons where our end of the year celebration was going to a northern illinois football game and we had our coaches grilling up sausages and brats and hot dogs and and everything for us um and and i remember specifically we went one year and it was a loaded roster, and we didn't even know it at the time. But uh, really good squad. Uh, looking back at it now, I just pulled up the roster. Uh, Thomas Hammock was a sophomore running back. Michael the Burner turner was a freshman running back. P.J. Fleck was a sophomore receiver. Justin McCarron was a senior receiver. Uh, Daryl Hill was a senior, uh, was a senior receiver. Uh, some other guys uh, that we knew. And then also, Matt Dunker was a sophomore tight end on that team, Uh, and Dunker ended up being one of my high school coaches. Uh, Fast forward a couple years after that, he uh, had a shoulder injury that prevented him from going on to a couple of uh, tryouts that he had discussed with NFL teams, but uh, being able to play for Dunk was super cool, uh, and it was just a really cool way to tie it all in as a high school player, being able to play for one of the dudes that uh, we used to go and see for our end of the year celebrations. And it's because of those experiences that I became a Mac football fan. Uh, I Not just a Northern Illinois fan, but a Mac football fan. Uh, I just saw how, how much it meant to the communities. And then also those are some really good uh, memories for me as a kid. Hanging out with my friends, hanging out with my football team, my coaches, uh, you know. For, for once not banging each other's heads uh you know against one another so uh because of that I've always loved MAC football and what I'm going to do today is I'm going to let you know the 2021 draft prospects in the MAC conference that you need to know so I'm going to go through I'm going to run down the list I'm going to give you the player's name their position the school and then what their height and weight what what they're listed at and then once I run through those players I'll go through and I'll give you just a quick little snippet um, about each player, a little a little information on them. Uh, that way you can become more familiar with these players as you start your 2021 draft preparation as well. So we're going to go ahead. We're going to start the list off. We got Dustin Crum. He's a quarterback from Kent State, 6'3", 201 pounds. Next on the list is Christian Albright, linebacker, Ball State Six foot two, two hundred thirty-four pounds. Then we move to Jack Hefflin, defensive tackle, Northern Illinois University. Six foot four, three nineteen. Tony Pollion, tight end, Central Michigan. Six foot seven, two sixty. Treyshawn excuse me Trey Hayward, linebacker, Western Michigan. Six two twenty-five. Tommy Doyle, O tackle, Miami of Ohio. Six foot eight, three twenty-five. Jarrett Patterson running back Buffalo 5'9 195. Dwayne Eskridge wide receiver DB Western Michigan 5'9 195. Jalen Thomas linebacker ball state 6'1-231. Bryce Cosby defensive back safety 5'10-181 ball state. Colby Coleman linebacker bowling green six foot two twenty. Taylor Riggins and Malcolm Kuntz are the edge combination, both playing DN for the Buffalo Bulls. Riggins is 6'2", 255. And then Malcolm Kuntz is checking in at 6'3", 250. So those are the players that you should be focusing on and that you should get to know uh, as you go through your MAC preparations for your 2021 draft evaluations. Um, and like I said, I'll go ahead. I'll give you a little bit. I'll give you a quick little fun fact on the uh, On the players. Uh, that way you can start to get a little bit more familiar with them as you start your 21 uh assuming, yeah, your 2021 draft preparation needs. So the first player is Dustin Crumb. Uh, he's a dual-threat quarterback who had his breakout season in 2019. He guided the Kent State football program to its first ever bowl win. Uh that was over Utah State. You can go ahead, you can watch that game if you want. It was a phenomenal. A uh, quarterback showing not only with Dustin Crum, but also with Jordan Love, who was picked in the first round by the Green Bay Packers of the 2020 draft. So if you want to go have a little bit of fun watching a couple quarterbacks go back and forth, uh, that's a great game for you to go watch with Dustin Crum of Kent State taking on Jordan Love, Utah State, uh, during the bowl season. Uh, Kent State came out victorious. Dustin Crum uh, was all over the field with passing and rushing touchdowns. Christian Albright is a two-year starter entering the 2020 Season who makes plays all over the field, but he finds himself in the backfield a lot. Again, he's a linebacker from Ball State, originally Georgia native. Jack Heflin was selected by Pro Football Focus as an honorable mention to their All American teams. He enters 2020 as a two time All Mac pick. He has nine sacks over the last two seasons from the defensive tackle spot. He is also capable in the run game. Uh, Tony pollyan he is a phenomenal athlete, has great size, like we said, 6'7", 260. He's a former high school basketball standout, also a former quarterback. Uh, he did not fully transition to tight end until 2019. 2019 was his first year fully as a tight end. He found himself second team All-Mac 2019. Uh, previous seasons, uh, when he first got there uh, as a freshman, he was playing quarterback. Then, uh, as a sophomore in 2018, he split the season between tight end and running back. And then, like I said, 2019 fully transitioned over to the tight end position. Then we're going to move on to Treshawn Hayward. He logged 142 tackles in 2019, which was the third most in the country. He was the 2019 MAC Defensive Player of the Year, and he was named an All-American by Sporting News. Tommy Doyle started at right tackle in 2018 for Miami of Ohio. And then in 2019, he slid over to the left side. Uh, 2019, he was named first-team All-Mac. He's a former hockey player. Uh, he does have a nasty side to him, and that does show up in the run game. Uh, and then you need to be patient with him in the pass game. He is still growing as a pass blocker. Um, but he overall is a solid-looking offensive line prospect with a phenomenal size at 6'8". Jarrett Patterson, he's not the fastest or the most explosive running back. He is good, though. Um he he finds ways to shift and slip out of tackles and uh that should be evidenced by his two seasons uh at Buffalo. He will only be a junior this upcoming year, but I do feel that he will test the NFL waters as a freshman in 2018. He ran for 1,013 yards and then last season um he was just shy of eighteen hundred yards. Setting the school record as he posted 17.99 on the ground for the Buffalo Bulls. Dwayne Eskridge, um, he's the best defensive back and the best wide receiver uh, that Western Michigan has on roster. He is an unreal athlete. The Western Michigan uh, website reports that he ran a laser time forty of 4.33. Uh, he finished with 76 excuse me, with 776 yards on 38 catches in 2018. He did miss the 2019 season with a broken collarbone. So do expect big things for him, from him coming up in the 2020 season with Dwayne Eskridge. Then we're gonna move to Jalen Thomas. He is a linebacker from Ball State. He plays well against bigger competition. And you can look back to the 2018 game against Notre Dame. Uh I guess for some evidence, for some proof, uh, for your own, I guess, knowledge. He had nine tackles in that game, one tackle for loss. He did also record a quarterback pressure that forced an interception. 2019, he was all-MAC with 97 tackles. He enters the 2020 season for Ball State, having made 20 career starts at inside linebacker. So you got a pair of linebackers from Ball State to keep an eye on, and Jalen Thomas and Christian Albright. And then we're going to go ahead with the next guy on this list. It's another Ball State defender. This is Bryce Cosby. He's a little bit undersized, at five foot ten. But as a senior, going into his senior year, he's a three-year starting player on that defense. So his senior year will be his fourth year as a, uh, excuse me, as a starter. For his career, he has two hundred and twenty career tackles, six interceptions, one forced fumble, and two fumble recoveries. He's small, but he has unmatched heart and work ethic. Uh, That's something that's said not only from the Ball State staff, but also with his players. Then we go to Colby Coleman. He's a two-year starter for Bowling Green Falcons. Posted 103 tackles in 2019, which was good for third-team All-Mac honors. He's undersized at 220, and that 220 might even be a little bit generous, but he has 194 career tackles with 173 coming over the last two years. And then this past season, he recorded a 17 percent pressure rate. So Coleman, even though the size is lacking, is a highly efficient, highly productive player. And then we're going to finish it off with taking a trip up to Buffalo. Taylor Riggins, Malcolm Coons, they offer a tremendous presence for the Buffalo defense off the edge. They combined for 17 and a half sacks last season. They both encountered their breakout season, landing on the 2019 all mac teams. <clears throat> Koontz posted 9 of those 17.5 sacks. Riggins picked up the other 8.5. And Um, and then looking for their versatility and athleticism traits, you can go ahead and see that Taylor Riggins was also a basketball player in high school while Malcolm Koontz doubled as a rugby player. So that's the first installment of some players that you need to know. Uh, Go ahead and take a look at those Mac prospects and get to know them. Hopefully your NFL teams can land one or more of these players Um, in the upcoming 2021 NFL Draft. Again, their 2020 seasons will dictate whether or not they get the call to the next level. But in my early evaluations and in my early film, uh, watching through Mac Prospects, these are some of the guys that have caught my eye. So until next time, go ahead, dive into these guys, and I'll be back with another list for you. Hey everybody, Craig Forrestall. Thanks for tuning in and listening to another episode of That Sports Guy's podcast. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at that underscore sports underscore guy to catch all the latest updates and podcast episodes. Until next time, stay safe and be easy.